Hello and welcome everyone for another episode of the Culture Nerd Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about uh, a fun little Teen Titans Go episode that occurred over the weekend. Uh, their special 365th episode titled 365, which had a uh, fun little uh, three-minute snippet of uh, the Titans meeting with Zack Snyder and then a bunch of fun stuff kind of followed it from there. So let's uh, let's jump right in it and uh, let's talk about it. All right. So, uh, what do you think of the episode? I mean, obviously, let's just jump right into it. Teen Titans Go uh, is kind of a hit saw, and miss, right? Yeah, I saw the Zack Snyder clip of it and that whole rigmarole. It feels like the perfect answer to a Teen Titans, right? Like Teen Titans was the show that never really was. We never got to see the full arc of what we wanted it. Halfway through, it went chibi. Uh, and Zack Snyder was the same deal. Here's the guy that never really got to do the thing he wanted. He eventually did it, but now he's not there anymore. I yeah. just felt like it was a perfect storm of events. Yeah, um, you know, it was it was super, super silly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of right there with you. Teen Titans itself um, as a show was... Uh, it was cut short. I think it had, what, four or five seasons. And then uh, they had their little side movie, The Trouble in Tokyo. And they were kind of like leading into a, another season. And then they got canceled for some reason. Um, fast forward a handful of years, Teen Titans Go! comes out. And it's not a continuation. But it's kind of the same cast, the same crew, but more aimed toward younger, younger audiences. Um, the caveat, though, is that um, my son used to love watching the show a lot when he was a lot younger in the earlier seasons. And every time I would watch it with them, um, there were so many of these meta jokes, these adult humor jokes, these uh, little Easter eggs, these things that are clearly meant for older audiences. Um, but it's very much in the vein of a lot of those um, kind of like 80s cartoons where the cartoon itself was uh, too mature for it had some jokes that were a little mature for uh, for kids. So it went over their heads. But the audience that it was aimed for, the adults, they got it just fine. And it really felt like it was one of those kind of shows where there's uh, fun stuff for everyone who's watching. Um, it also felt like it came at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like of all those superhero shows, right? Like you had Batman, the animated series, you had Superman, the animated series, the bookends of cartoons, but then there was like X-Men evolution. And then teen Titans was on not too far after. Cause yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to remember, I feel like it came on, it was on WB for a hot minute too. It was on Cartoon Network, but I feel like it played on both for a while. I feel like that might be the case. I can't remember, to be honest. I know that when we were younger, it was it came about in our later high school years, if not at the end of high school for us. Yeah. Um, I remember we watched it and it was a lot of fun, um, but it was also like a show that wasn't 100% for kids, um, but they also didn't want it to be not a kid show. So like they um they obviously censored Deathstroke's name and called him just Slade and that was fine. Um but it's like Yeah, I th I thought that that world was fun. Yeah. You know, I like that it was like great, let me see the Teen Titans universe but with boxing gloves on because we don't want to have Deathstroke and stuff like that. But that character still does all the Deathstroke stuff. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was a good person. Um yeah. 
I Teen Titans Go is its own thing. I'm not here to shit on that show. I think that's a really fun. It's really great that all, that voice talent all got to keep working with characters yeah. that they were established. Like that's really great. Um, it's just we never got more of the Teen Titans show I liked. So yeah. even this, as I watch this little segment, it's like, man, we're never gonna get this. We're never gonna get the cool, fun, angsty teenage Teen Titans again. We're only gonna get these two slots of it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was super weird, um, but this episode it was it was really fun because I mean the episode crawls in and Zach is doing this really meta um, working out in his office kind of a thing and he makes a three hundred joke right off the bat, um, and then they're like we want the Snyder cut and they like name drop that and he's like oh, okay let's do this uh, what do you want do you want the uh, the Leonidas do you want and they have like a, a three hundred style picture on the wall they have a Batman vs Superman one on the wall then they have an Army of the Dead nod which was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, they cut into uh, the meat of the episode. A tight uh, Robin kind of blacks out a little bit, and you have wakes up in a nightmare timeline. Yeah, and he <laughs> and that's what we got. We got we open up to Dark Side, <laughs> and how is that not just the funniest? Um, I mean, honestly, no. I think nobody expected to see that, right? You have right. a scene pulled straight out of Zack Snyder's Just League. You have Darkseid picking up the dirt like he did in the Nightmare, uh, the battle. And then the Titans cut over and they're all like grown up, right? But my favorite Easter egg of all of this whole whole bit, I mean, obviously they're all like same voice actors. They make all these little meta jokes like, oh, the dark, the color is darker. Oh, it's raining now for dramatic effect. And they do all this stuff. But my favorite little gag was Robin right there, front and center. His costume is the BVS costume. And that was the funniest thing. I was like, wow. They went right into it and gave him the costume of the dead Robin from Batman versus Superman. Uh, I like when Beast Boy just goes full dinosaur and doesn't turn into some lame bird and does cool dinosaur things for the 30 seconds that we see him on camera. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it was it was pretty funny. I like I liked the episode. I thought that little gag was great. Um, you know, it's it, it was just it was really funny. And the whole episode, it was a three minute little segment, and the whole thing felt like it was just a love letter to Zach from these animators. Um, they made these little references. The fact that they even got Zach Snyder to do his own voice was fun. Um, but you have the Titans that are essentially acting as the proxy for the, the writers, the animators, everybody. And they're like, Oh my God, it's Zack Snyder. Oh my God. And they're just excited about it. And obviously they have to make their little fun, little jokes. The whole joke at the end was that the Snyder cut was a haircut, not a, uh, not anything beyond that. Um, but uh, I guess the kind of the fallout from this, um, what was really interesting was following that episode, uh, IMDB, uh, all of a sudden got just bombarded with just hundreds and thousands of fans just rating it a 10 out of 10. They loved the episode. They thought it was great. Let's show our love. Let's put 10 out of 10, right? And the episode um, now currently has no rating. They actually pulled the they rating. Remove the rating because they don't want people to know that Zach Snyder's fans are A, real people, B, not robots, and three, 
are using the metrics of the internet to say, we want more of this. That wow. may be the case. The other thing, though, was that after the episode had maybe like a thousand 10 out of 10 votes, um, it got bombarded with another thousand zero out of 10 votes. And the votes all popped up and everyone was in there saying, I didn't watch the episode, but I don't want Snyder's fans to win. And it was just bombarding with harassment toward the fans. That's and, just classic internet fighting. That's yeah. classic. I don't want you to have nice things. You're not allowed to have nice things at this house. So it was really funny because like I'm looking through these reviews and now the reviews have all been pulled. All the ones saying, I never watched the episode, but screw you, Snyder fan. Those were all pulled, but now they're recalibrating the rating system after they've did this calling of reviews. And I think it's honestly hilarious that Amazon had to basically be like, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, right. They had to like get involved and pull that out. Um, what would you rate the if 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 you watch the whole episode? What would you rate the episode? Is it a bet? Is it above better average? Is it above average of other episodes, or is it on par with other episodes? You know, I think it's above average. I mean, it's not quite a ten out of ten, but it's also not like a seven out of ten. Like it's a straight sure. eight and a half, maybe a nine out of ten. It was a fun episode, and the fact that they had this little meta joke in there um, was just fantastic, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, they let Zack Snyder have his his fun and everything, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a fun little gag. Um, I don't know how many times I can say fun in that sentence, but yeah, it was fun. Uh, I think the thing that needs to be debunked is that was all it was. They invited Zack Snyder to do this fun thing. He's he's not back. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to know that there is a presence within there that wants to salute him and play with him, but like. He still has other things to be doing right now. He's not going to be, this doesn't open the door. I mean, it makes me sad because he's such a visual guy. He could very well do an animated movie and literally just go, here's the animatic for the movie. I'll give you notes on it. Another fun thing that I saw was that whole sequence that was done, the nightmare sequence was actually directed by Jay Oliva. And Jay Oliva is a, um, he's a prolific director in DC animation but he's also the guy that worked with Zach in all of his movies and all of his storyboards. And it was like the animatic guy for Zach. Um, aside from directing like the Flashpoint movie for DC Animation, aside from directing all that stuff, he loves Zach. He's a great friend of Zach. And I love the fact that, that he was the one who came in and directed this thing, which was great. But one thing that kind of happened simultaneously over the last couple, over this last week, was Jay went on a Twitter rant on a bunch of uh, Snyder fans and kind of what you said there, it doesn't mean Zach is back. And I think this whole thing kind of pointed out to that exact thing. Cause that's what he was saying too. Um, in this big rant, a bunch of fans were basically dumping on <clears throat> Gail Simone. She's a writer for DC works on birds of prey. She's very much a social justice warrior. And in the past she's loved, she's given her massive support to Zach in the movie but she's also been very hypercritical of certain things. And a lot of people tend to just not like her, which is, is what it is. Right. But over the course of the last week, um, after our last show, I think it was actually the day after our show, this big rant happened. And then he basically, it was kind of like a call to Jesus moment for the fans where he got in an argument with a very prominent Snyder fan. And they were like, I can't support this. I can't do this. And he basically is like, um, let me see if I can pull up what he actually said to there, because it was yeah, there was so yeah. much of this Twitter rant. What do you um, mean you can't support what? 
So he basically said, I can't tell you how to feel. And frankly, you, uh, you can hate on whoever you want to. But when I hear the terms Snyder cult or Snyder bots or any number of them directed the Snyder Cut movement, I don't take it personally. Nor do I think that they're talking about me or 90% of the other Zack Snyder fans. When the media call us bots, what do I do? I make a joke saying that I'm a bot and then proceed to post a Transformer picture. Life is short and I don't have to, and I don't have the patience to let petty crap get to me. Um, and we should all celebrate what we did as a fandom. And then they kind of argue saying, blah, 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 blah. They call us bots. They call us bots. He's like, well, thank you for your input. But my question is, why don't we as a fandom clean up our shit? <laughs> like he just hundred uh, like, percent. Right? And then he goes on saying, it has gotten out of hand lately. There's a reason why we are referred to now in a negative light as opposed to a positive driving force to get a director's vision released. Unless Gail directly affecting you um, and it, affecting you day to day, then who cares what she tweets or comments? And, and so he, he goes on. She and a lot of other people are reacting to a problem prevalent in our fan, fandom. We need to change the narrative and call these and call those out in the fandom who go too far. I'm going to be honest here. There are elements of the fandom that have already painted us in a dark into the dark age and undermined everything we have fought for. And then like everyone's like, oh, my God. And then a lot of these toxic Twitter people started attacking Jay for this. And then it was the weirdest thing is like Jay is essentially the most vocal person on the Internet who supports Zach. He works with Zach. He loves Zach. They go to they hang out at his house. He knows what Zach like his his opinions are essentially Zach's opinions. The difference difference is Zach is too much of a nice guy to say these things, and Jay doesn't give him hell. Like he just does it, right? Jay is hitting on something here. Listen, right? the new daddy just showed up at Water Brothers and goes and goes, "Hey, what do you got?" And they go, "Oh, these neighbor kids are crazy. They keep coming yeah. over here. They scream the same thing." Okay. Oh, well, and then, then it keeps going. It goes. Don't invite days. that kid over to the house anymore, right? right? Like thing, that's what's going to happen. This thing goes for days, right? And then they're like, and he says flat out, because after the next day, they they keep commenting on this thread. And he's like, then we need to clean up our image and call those out who have been giving us a bad rep with the fandom. We used to stand for artistic integrity and freedom as well as suicide prevention. Now all I see on Twitter nowadays is X uh, is attacking X because they called us names. Hundred percent of us. 100% of the fandom worked hard to get that film released. There is a very small vocal minority that is undermining what we accomplished by being toxic. I have eyes and ears, and it's not just from my friends that I'm hearing it. You do realize I work in Hollywood, right? And then as this goes on, I'm hearing it brought up in business meetings now. And the narrative that's being perpetuated by the media doesn't, doesn't mean it's true, but it's getting out of hand. They are not going to invite Zach back unless they see clear financial gain. And Zach isn't going to be coming back unless they make him a really great offer because of after the way that he was treated by the old regime. It's all business and our rep as a fandom will keep that from happening. That right there, that tweet to me was probably the biggest giveaway, right? Because you have all these Twitter scoopers now who are like, oh, Zach is coming back. Zach is working on these underlying deals. Zach is doing this. And then Jay, one of people in Zach's camp is like, they're not going to do it unless this happens. He's not saying it like in this hypothetical way. He's basically saying there's no talks currently happening, but they're not going to have these conversations until we clean our shit up. 
So how far does this kick the can down the road? Like five years before this becomes a group that they want to interact with? Because like, I loved, it's great knowing that there's a built-in audience here that wants to buy these things. That's great. But the question is, are they going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just go, no, nah, never mind. You, 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 you go, you go to Netflix, Zack Snyder. Will, we're trying to get J.J. Abrams back, which was funny enough. His name popped up on that Constantine 2, and we were just talking about getting J.J. Abrams working on some DC properties again. So what I think, I don't think it, it kicks the can any further. I don't think it does anything else. Um, I said before last week is that the biggest issue that the, the movement is having is that, I mean, we fought for years to have the Snyder Cut get released, right? And then all of a sudden, after like one movie comes out, boom, everyone is expecting the Snyderverse to be restored after a week, right? I mean, we obviously knew it was a long shot to get Zach back in the room to begin with. and um patience hasn't been a huge thing for a lot of them i guess but one of the big things is that uh like we said before in multiple shows now warner brothers discovery is cash poor right now they've only got on hand what they have on hand they can't afford to make the a big tentpole movie they can't afford to greenlight a justice league 2 right now they can't afford to greenlight really anything until they see success for the projects that are on their way out the door so when people are saying, oh, they're having the secret deal with Zach, they can't have a secret deal because they can't afford to have a secret deal because nothing that they've worked on is out yet. So um, for Zach's, Zach to have his chance, for Zach to have a further relationship with the studio, to get Justice League 2, to get the rest of his story put out, um, the stuff that's coming out next year has to be successful. And then they have to see a merit in doing it. They're not going to... They've treated him so poorly. What do you mean secret deal? Like yeah. if he goes back to them, he is going to ring the loudest bells and tell everybody, hey, this is what I got. This is what the standard is for me to come back because it's going to have to be high. They jerked him around so much. And uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, they didn't want to pay him. Right. They were like, you know, we don't really want to use your ideas and then used all of his ideas. And everybody who then made these movies went to him and said, hey, man, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, and, and that's funny to me. Right. I mean, Aquaman, they, they canned Zach. They they prepped, they prepped the filming and then they still followed 80 to 90 percent of the film that Zach and James Wan had planned together. And now Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is happening. And we know that for a fact that Zach's plan for the Aquaman sequel with James was literally Aquaman gets the Lost Kingdom. I mean, when I did that first video together, when we did the, the Justice League 2 storyboards, those storyboards referred to Aquaman uniting the Lost Kingdom with the rest of the kingdoms. Like, it was part of the plot line. So they obviously, like, they don't want Zach, but they loved his ideas. They just don't want Zach. It was, it was such a silly idea. But now we have all of those people are gone now. We have a new management and the new management is trying to fix things, right? But they have to have the money on hand first. Zach is still tied up with Netflix and he's probably going to be tied up with Netflix for a while because he's still working on Rebel Moon Part 1. They've already talked about Part 2 happening already. So unless he's filming that right now, he's going to be busy filming that after he does his Army of the Dead 
uh, sequel, his Army of the Dead animated series that's was supposed to be announced by now, but it's, it should be coming out within the next 90 days or so. <clears throat> we have a lot of stuff that is keeping Zach very busy. So him coming back for one episode of Teen Titans Go, voicing himself for literally two minutes of dialogue, does not signal for a second that he's back in the room with the management. That means that the animators loved him and they called him into a voice acting studio. Also, didn't Discovery just bitch slap the animation department? And I wonder how much of that See, what it sounded like is they were cutting back on projects, but I wonder part of that was like, hey, man, don't invite our ex-girlfriend over here unless we say it's okay, because he was back in the building. Oh, they they cut down the projects before they even got Zach in. That was separate. Um, the new management is not anti-Zach. They're not pro-Zach. Uh, they're just cool. Um, Alan Horn, however, the guy who's, I guess, seemingly running DC until they find somebody, um, He's actually a big fan of Zach's. He's a big, he's a friend of him. Like the car that Zach had, um, the one that Bruce Wayne drives in BVS, that silver Aston Martin, um, that's actually Zach Snyder's car. And that car was a gift to him from Alan Horn. Mm. So they're friends. Um, so it's, it goes within reason that Alan Horn is going to do something and want Zach's input. But the reality is that Zach is locked in a first look deal with Netflix and he's so busy that the only thing he could really afford outside of his filming was two minutes of dialogue for a Teen Titans episode, which he probably recorded at his house and sent to them via like a zip file. Right. Uh, is Teen Titans Go still in production? This is obviously their 365th episode. Mazel tov to them. Do they have another season happening next year? They do. They do. Um, what when we then, uh, what we know from like this last week, right? We had this... Um, Another big thing of news that happened last week was that Keanu Reeves's Constantine got a sequel. That's what I was, and and J.J. Abrams' name popped up on that all of yeah, a sudden because he's going to be uh, he's going to be producing this project. However, the the J.J. Abrams Justice League Dark Universe, the one that included a reboot of Constantine, a reboot of uh, Swamp Thing, a reboot of um, Dead Man, um, Madame Xanadu, all those projects. That show is seemingly dead. And that project died uh, due to creative differences and, and so on. But along with the announcement that the show is dead at HBO Max, they also announced that, and this is like on a quiet footnote, that just like um, Goth Batman Cape Crusader, the animated show from Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves, um, this is going to be shopped around. If Netflix wants to buy it, they can buy it. And DC will produce and Netflix will distribute. Um, because what we now understand is that David Zaslav and Warner Brothers Discovery, what they're trying to do is gain capital and where they were not succeeding with, um, in what HBO Max was doing, they know that they can succeed with licensing, um, like what they did with Sandman because Sandman was a big success for them. Um, whether uh, or not it's a big Sandman success for Netflix is another story. It's a huge success. Yeah. Because multiple people in my family that aren't into that genre, because yeah, it's comic books, but it's very dark. It's different dark than Stranger Things. It's it's in a whole different realm. Multiple people have sung its praises to me and go, are you watching that show? So like hearing that they don't have a season two deal and like, yeah, we'll take it somewhere else. I love all that. That's great. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what's happening is that uh, Warner Brothers is 100% okay with licensing the characters off. 
so that they can regain capital. And maybe, and, and, and really, like this is exactly what Marvel did back in the early 2000s, right? Marvel was bankrupt, right? They sold all of their film rights to everyone and their mom. And then in 99, Fox put out X-Men and boom, the superhero renaissance happened. Uh, there's a great movie. There's a great uh, documentary about um, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that was made and was basically only made so that they could continue to have the rights so that they could make another one a couple years later. Yeah. And basically made a whole terrible movie to shelve it because they knew it was going to be bad. Yeah. And that that happened a lot. That happened. I remember that. And I remember seeing that bootleg. And the bootleg movie is, is ridiculous. There's like very very few special effects scene, but I remember the things costume being very impressive for like a garage filmed movie. Um, but no, uh, that, that was a real thing. <laughs> but um, the whole, the, that, that brings up the same point. Like a lot of these uh, companies, when they came in and they bought all these rights, they had, they had just kind of like, they brought Marvel back from the dead and DC is kind of hoping that will happen right now too. That doesn't mean, any of the projects will be owned by anybody, but it means that they're licensing out certain avenues. Like, oh, if Netflix wants to make a Batman TV show, we will make the show with them. If Netflix wants to make a Sandman show, we will make it with them, and we will get a cut of the profits while they do all the heavy lifting. And that's how licensing is going to work, and that's probably how licensing is going to save DC because this merger, it showed everyone that Warner Brothers was was broke. And Discovery went broke buying it and firing all the people that ran it into the ground. So if Discovery is going to have an honest to God chance, they have to get some capital and fast. Can we nerd out about what Constantine 2 is going to be? What do you think Keanu Reeves wants to do with it? Because he's going to have a huge, much like Tom Cruise, he has a huge say in his films now. Even more so since Matrix onwards. I mean, John Wick is all him. He trains and gets all those people and gets all of that put together. I know that Keanu loves the character of Constantine. And I, I know that he wanted to make the sequel for every year since the last 17 years. Right. right? Um, one thing about Constantine, someone was, uh, when I made the, the tweet about it, and I was like, this is happening. Oh, my God. People were like, I've never seen it. Is it good? And I'm like, yes, it is very good. Yeah. The, 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 it's not a superhero movie. It's a great, weird, dark anti-hero movie. And they do a lot of good stuff in the movie. Yeah. But the one thing is, it is it is very unique because Constantine, the movie with Keanu Reeves, is essentially like the Batman 89 of the Constantine mythos, where it it doesn't follow any of the rules. doesn't follow any of the guidelines. Obviously, Constantine has black hair. He's not British. He's not blonde. He wears a, a, a black coat instead of a, a, a like the the uh, the burlap coat, whatever the the brown coat. Shia um, LaBeouf drives him around the town. Yeah, Chaz is a teenager, not an adult. <laughs> um, you have um, you don't have the magic and the werewolves and the ghosts and the monsters. You just have like. Angels, Demons, and Constantine right in the middle. Like they took, I remember when I we first saw it back in 05, I think it was 05 or 06. When we first saw it, I remember we were driving somewhere with your mom 
And your mom leans back and she's like, I saw that Constantine movie. And that was probably the most Catholic movie I've ever seen in my life. And I remember like hearing her say that. I'm like, you know, what? I, I kind of see what you're saying because Constantine wasn't, wasn't really that. I mean, Constantine was from Neil Gaiman and Neil Gaiman is essentially agnostic, but uses as much religion as he can. And he didn't prescribe to one version of any of Constantine's uh, Christianity for Constantine's depiction. But that show was like super Catholic. So it's very interesting that now we're going to go 17 years later. And obviously John's not dead because the devil took the cancer from him. So we're going to be, we're going to see a very different. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers are almost a 20 year old movie. If you I haven't know. seen the movie. I know, but that, I mean, he just, can Tilda Swinton come back or is Marvel going to keep her away from this? Okay. Okay. We'll do this. Spoiler alert for a 17 year old movie. Uh, at the end of the movie, Gabriel loses its wings, becomes a human. The devil um, gives John a second life, pulls the cancer out of his lungs and says, when you mess up again, John, I'm going to get you. And does all this whole like really cool devilly stuff. And then uh, John parts ways with uh, the one girl, uh, Isabel, I think was her name. Rachel Weiss? Yeah, but her character, wasn't she Isabel or? Yeah. She was a twin. Uh, in that movie she played two different roles it's so funny that when we talk when we talk constantine dc i forget about all that stuff because this is the constantine that's so alive in my mind yeah um you just answered what the movie's gonna be he's gonna fight ghost and werewolves he's gonna go hey i hunt he's gonna go i'm he does that keanu reeves voice i'm constantine i used to fight demons now there's where like he's just they're all gonna be there now yeah there's got to be something weird right and i would love to see more like i liked the really weird version of hell that they had but we didn't see any demons except for that like that the little yeah that one scene where the, everything the bat wings fly across the window and he's like oh they're coming um he puts the one demon in a glass he puts the one the lady at the beginning of the movie he goes in the and glass the and then he's gotta yeah. push the glass out the window yeah the mirror scene that was a really cool scene and then there was also the um the bug demon oh where, yeah so I really hope we get some more of the weirdness um, of like some of the, the more <clears throat> I would love to see like a demon push through that doesn't have half of its face gone, but has like the horns and everything. And it comes out. It's like, I'm coming for you, John. The boss wants you to mess up and I'm going to make sure you do. Um, I would love to see kind of a, a, a further push on that world. Maybe mix some of that mythos in with what we got in the movie and stylize it a bit. I would love some of that. I'm um, sure. Let's get some werewolves. Let's get some vampires. Let's get some weird stuff in there. Um, I'm ready. I want to see. I want to see it. I want it to be worth the 17 year hype in my mind. <laughs> so, I totally hear you. I, I'm going to let you know that if this Constantine two movie comes to fruition and is significant at all, there will be rumblings of a Spawn movie happening very soon. Because I, I, I feel mean, like they share very similar cinematic universes. Oh yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, the Spawn movie has been, they attached Jamie Foxx to it, and like every year, they're like, it's still happening, and it's been like five years. Um, I feel like Constantine coming out and being successful will allow that movie to exist, and I'm all for it. Um, you know, it's funny. You, The Sandman has a very particular view of Satan and hell. And all of that stuff was a wonderful world to go play in. Now, it's not the same as the Constantine world, but it was, I mean, I would, that, all of that stuff was super palpable. That's one of the best 
fight scenes, not fight scenes I've ever seen. Right. Um, the uh, I am the anti life and I am hope. Like that was mm-hmm. a, that was such a cool sequence. Um, oh, which FYI, that is the uh, thesis of all the Zack Snyder movies. If you'd like to know, if you want to know the real answer, it's there's the anti life equation and Superman and Batman are alike. I mean, that's everything. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I when I was watching that, I'm like, okay, so Zack is clearly a fan of Sandman because uh, you have Darkseid's whole motivation to go get the anti life and. What trumped the anti-life was hope, and Superman's whole in my world it means hope. And I'm like, so Superman is the key to defeating Darkseid because that's what I'm seeing here. Zack Snyder loves himself some Neil Gaiman, and Zack Snyder threw that in there, and I want it so badly now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was such a hell of a thing. Um, I I don't know. I mean, Sandman was the blueprint originally in the comics. Constantine, his character was supposed to have spawned off of that book. So the Lucifer that he dealt with was supposed to be the same one in Sandman. Um, but what we have is a different world here. So his Lucifer is not the same. Did I lose you? I'm back. Okay. Weird. Um, did, it, did anyone cut out? Did I cut out anybody? Can anyone tell me if I was still like a completed sentence before it cut out? Where are we at, chat? Why is the why is my internet? I heard I heard that it was Constantine was a break off of this world. It was a shared thing. Yeah, and uh, the devil in that world uh, was supposed to be the same one in his his project, but what we got in the movie was a different world. So it's, it's the same as the the Lucifer TV show because. The Lucifer TV show was a sequel uh, to Sandman, mm. and it was its own thing. So we very much got a different take on a lot of this stuff. I think they are got to continue with the same Constantine cinematic universe. I think they're going to add more monsters and say they're all from hell. Like, you could have ghosts and just he has to, like, I'm not a ghostbuster, but he, like, clearly fights ghosts. Yeah. Um, yeah, just have more portals or something. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie was uh, his tattoos. And he did the uh, Into the Light, I command thee, and like brought them together and then basically used his tattoos as a summoning circle to pull out a, um, what he was expecting was a demon, but um, to pull out a hidden entity into the real, the real plane. And I thought that was such a cool thing because even in the comics, he's got somewhat similar tattoos on his arms, but this John didn't have like the sleeves like the normal Constantine does. So he's got to be a little bit better, right? He can't just spend the past 17 years getting lung cancer again. He's got to yeah. be like done something okay with his life. I would love to see um, them just come back 17 years later. Now he's got more tattoos, more of this. And he's like, I've been preparing because the devil's throwing more shit at me. And th- that'd be the setup. He's like, I'm not smoking, but the devil's trying to make me slip up. So I have to prepare. So he's got more tattoos. He's got more weapons. He's got more, like, all this stuff. And he's grifter. Like, he's more, like, worn down because he's like, for the last 17 years, I've tried to not screw up. <laughs> and the devil's pushing it harder every day. I like that. He's been on the streets. Like he's been, yeah, he's been going from one town. He doesn't want people to know where he's at. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm reading some of the comments right now. Um, I wish there was a sequel for Batman, uh, for Batman Chris Nolan movies with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Batman. I would, I would love that too. I mean, there was a lot of fun fan pitches where the fans pitched like a Batman Beyond style movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That'd be kind of cool. Um, probably never going to happen because uh, Nolan is done with that world. Um, you know Nolan's done with that because of all the information he just gave to everybody at the end of that last movie. Right. The fact that he's robbed, like all of that stuff was just him being like, okay, I'm done. Here you go. This is what it was going to be, but we're done. We're not doing any of this now. Yeah. Um, any true to the rumors of Comcast merging with WB? No. Not in America. A not court's a bit. gotta look at that. That's way too big. Not a bit. So um, and that and that's referring to a uh, an article that came out a few days ago where it was 100% an opinion piece, and they said it was an opinion piece, and they said, hypothetically, if War- if WB doesn't start making money, you could see Universal or Comcast coming in and trying to buy them. And it was all hypothetical. And now all of a sudden, it went from like them saying, this is possibly what could happen, as them just kind of like playing the hypotheticals, to Twitter saying, oh my god, it's happening, and then to Instagram and everyone else and their mom saying, oh my god, did you hear that this is happening? Um, I really hate it when the trades, uh, they hypothesize something because they really freak people out. Uh, there's someone in over here talking about in the TV spot. Black Adam says, there's nothing on this planet that can stop me. Think it's Superman? Yes. Uh but, but but like in my mind though, in a world of boob tubes, it can literally be anybody. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they have instant travel. It's like I, in my mind, I want it to be Green Lantern, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be because Green Lantern uh, lost pretty heavily to Black Adam. Superman doesn't. Uh, we were talking about Nolan. Christian Bale says he would want uh, would would come back and would only do it if Nolan is game. Nolan doesn't want to make those movies. Nolan's out. Yeah, so we're probably not going to see it happen. And um, I mean, last time I think we talked about it briefly. Um, I watched uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, and and Bale was probably the best part of that movie. Um, so, so Bale creepy. still has it, like a creepy carnival barker when he's scaring those kids, like a sideshow man. Yeah, like that whole black and white sequence when he was like basically going at them one at a time. Oh, such a cool scene. It was so well done. It made me so mad that that scene was in Taika Waikatiti's movie. <laughs> I enjoy his comedies. I do. But I can see I can see your criticisms of this movie because Thor is a silly spaceman now instead of the might and thunder that he once was. And um, I mean, we're kind of going right back into it. Um, my favorite Thor movie was the first one. And I know a lot of people didn't like the first one because they, for whatever reasons, but I love that it was very much a Shakespearean take on Thor. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I, I watched it. I watched it last week with my son because I thought it was great. I needed a palate cleanser after Rag. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder, so I went back to that one. My second favorite Thor movie is Infinity War because Infinity War is a Thor yeah. movie. If, you're, yeah, if you 100%. watch it, it's a hundred percent a Thor movie with the other Avengers as the footnote. Um, but that's what it is. 
Um, let me see. I'm just read some of these comments. Uh, I like this one. Um, I bring back uh, Papa Midnight. I hope Papa Midnight comes back because that actor was very much an unknown when he did Constantine, and now everybody knows him. <laughs> so he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he was in. Um, he was the Merman, the, like the Merman King in. Uh, Aquaman. He was the wizard Shazam in the Shazam movies. Um, yeah, I would love to see him back as Papa Midnight. That scene with Constantine and Papa Midnight was one of the best scenes in the movie. Constantine's a good movie. Is it's such that a, a good is, movie. Is that in question? I mean, I'll rewatch it. Maybe we need to do a rewatching of it and really sit down and go through the beats because I get, I guarantee you, there's some like 2006 cinema. The fact that Shia LaBeouf's in that movie, he was in like the three other movies that year until he was in. Transformers, yeah. right? He did iRobot. He did that. He did Holes. Yeah, and then um, but one fun fact: Do you remember that there's a post-credit scene for Constantine? No. What's the post-credit scene? Oh my god! Scene? Really? I don't know if I've ever seen it. I mean, I might need to go okay. watch the movie. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind hole a little bit. It's the bet is one. So remember, in the end of the movie, Chaz dies. Gabriel kills him. Yeah. At the end of the movie, he's at Chaz's grave, and Chaz comes down as an angel and is now John's new guardian angel. Cool. And Shia LaBeouf is there. like He looks like all cleaned up. His eyes are glowing yellow, and I'm like, oh, I need to see this movie. So I really hope that he comes back because, I mean, his character's dead, but I want at least a five-second cameo where Shia LaBeouf comes down with angel wings and says, John, please stay on track. I'm vouching for you. And then just leaves. That's all you need. <laughs> it's like... Just that little moment. <clears throat> uh, I'm glad to know that Constantine 2 is happening, but here is a movie driven by a star. And I feel like as we circle the ships right now with Zack Snyder, uh, until those casts demand him to come back, I think that they will work with whatever scripts they give them and whatever yeah. direction they want to go. And I think that's going to be the name of the game for a while. Yeah, I, I like I said, I believe fully that Zach is probably going to come back in a producer capacity, but I don't believe that he's going to um, be back as the director anytime soon. Um, the fact that Ben came back for Flash and Ben came back for Aquaman is a good sign that at the very minimum, Ben is on board with the new direction they're going, which means the direction that Alan Horn and all them are pushing forward in Zach's absence is enough to sell the person who said he would never come back without Zach on the project. So to me, that's a big win. Um, but uh, I see Henry coming back if he's given essentially script input like Keanu Reeves, like if he gets a Keanu Reeves level kind of a deal where he'll come back if you allow me to approve things. I could see that happening. Um, the Ezra situation is like every other day, someone's like, oh, Ezra's been fired. And the studio's like, he's not been fired. Stop. So we'll see what happens. Um, Gal's not going anywhere. And Jason is not going anywhere either. Until they're done with him, obviously. But let's see. If Zach, I'm just reading some of the comments, everybody. Um, if Zach ever came back for anything, it would be to do his dream project, Faithful Adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns with a new cast. I remember him mentioning it. Um, I would love him to do a Dark Knight Returns style thing, um, like a straight one-to-one -one adaptation. That'd be fun. And just give him a bunch of older actors. Like, 
in, in that project, you could have John Hamm be uh, Superman because it would work. Um, but I lost Michael, unfortunately. I think his computer finally crapped out at him. So hopefully he comes back in. Let me see what happened. Uh, coming back. We lost you. Um, oh, he just texted me separately. But um, no, I don't think Ezra's out. I think that's uh, kind of what everyone is um, everyone's alluding to right now. And I don't think that's the case. And Michael is back. Yes? Yes. We're, we're <laughs> we got to ramp it up. We're running into every problem today. Nothing is yeah. working. Um, and yeah, there's a comment here. What was that one tweet I saw from some account saying Ezra's out either way? The tweet was from My Time to Shine, which didn't really make much sense given that he had them winning with Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, yes. So that's the... that that. So My Time to Shine is a fantastic scooper, has a lot of stuff right. But from my understanding, she was a former Marvel employee in some capacity. Um, she has a lot more right than she does wrong in terms of these things. But in terms of DC stuff, I've seen her say things that are a little outdated. Um, and then the fact that Warner Brothers had this big meeting with Ezra and Ezra is now filming new, uh, new scenes for the movie leads me to believe that the news might be a little outdated. So I don't think that it's as up to date as possible. Um, so I think right now it's kind of a wait and see thing. I don't think the studio has decided to fire Ezra because I think legitimately Ezra is getting the treatment done right now, going through the motions, um, living up to their end. And I don't see them uh, dumping Ezra after making an agreement that if you do this, we'll keep you kind of a thing. Like I don't see that happening. Um, because that's 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 shit that the old management did, not the new management. So we'll see what happens. Um, another comment: Should we get a revival of Night Rail on Elm Street Two? New Line really sucks at conjuring movies. Um, I was never a huge fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I thought the premise was cool, but they never quite got it right. Um, I think you and I, when we were younger, we saw Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. We and, did. We we did go see that movie. Oh yeah, boy, think, we did. We see that movie. We saw. I think it was because Blake wanted to see it, right? Wasn't that the reasoning? Like Blake was like, "Let's see it this." Was, and we're like, "It was a movie you go see with a group of friends," and we went with a group of friends. Yeah, and we were like, "I don't know how I feel." I, don't, I told them like, "I don't. I haven't watched these movies. I know the base premise. But I don't like horror movies." And we saw it, and I'm like, "All right, that was okay." Like I wasn't like against it, uh, but I wasn't like, "Hell yeah, this was great." Um. I've never been a huge fan of them. I think the closest thing to like that genre of horror movie I got was always the Sam Raimi, like the Evil Dead stuff. That was the closest I really got to those. Um, I really wasn't a fan of the Michael Myers Halloween movies because I thought either he was, it was too cheesy with him just walking down the hall being all menacing or holy crap, he's walking at one mile, like 0.25 miles an hour and now he's behind you. Oh, that was Plus, stupid. Those movies are all over the place. There, there, there's four of the same movie, and then there's two movies that have crazy premises, vibes through the TV, and stuff like that. That, yeah, that franchise is all over the place. I don't know. Uh, horror movies are good when they're B movies. That's fine. Um, Conjuring movies are have been successful, so they're just going to keep making those forever. But um, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think at this point, um, with I mean, this last week we got 
Teen Titans with Zack Snyder, and it was a wonderful little break and distraction from everything. But I just want to reiterate to people, this does not mean for a second that Zack is having conversations with WB because he did the voice. That doesn't right. mean that for a second. And anyone who's trying to tell you that that's what that means, they have no idea what they're talking about. Because you can be hired for a gig to come do a voice and never meet with anybody beyond the voice work team. That does not mean that you went back on campus. That does not mean you went back and walked down DC studios. That does not mean you walked into the office of Warner Brothers Discovery. It means that you were hired to do a voice of yourself because the team that was doing that project wanted you to do it. Taylor's so right that he recorded this in his bathrobe in his home office and probably and probably gave probably did like three takes max for all of these things. Like yeah. I, I you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I I mean Zach has a studio at his house, right? We know that because he has a home theater. He has the equipment to film a Green Lantern scene on his driveway. And then when that scene wasn't allowed to be made, he had that same equipment film the Martian Manhunter scene in his driveway. So Zach has sound equipment. He probably just recorded it. I mean, for all we know, Zach is still filming Rebel Moon at wherever he's filming it. They asked him to do the voice. And he sat down with his AD team and said, let's let's record it mm-hmm. just like they did with uh, Ezra filming their scene for the nightmare scene with Ezra coming in the flash that scene was filmed on the set of uh, the fantastic beast movie. Ezra was never present for the reshoots. They did it separately. So, I mean, realistically, Zach probably never even stepped foot back on the Burbank lot to do that voice work. Right. Mm. But, but that he's being got said, a, I was going to say, was a lot he's of fun. right. Right. But I catch you off. What's up? All right. Well, he's got a more dead air. Damn it! What is going on with our stuff today? Anyways, well, everyone, we will wrap it off there because for some reason our tech is just fighting us today. Uh, whether it be on my side or Michael's side, not sure what's happening. But either way, we kind of said what we needed to say. The Zack Snyder episode of Teen Titans Go was fantastic. It was fun. Doesn't mean anything more than that, other than the fact that the people who make that show love Zack. Simple as that. But thank you all for joining us. Thank you for checking out our Patreon um, and supporting us, for those of you who do. If you don't support us yet and you want to, head over to patreon.com slash thecultureddnerd. Uh, again, my name is Taylor Murphy, uh, my co-host Michael Santel, and our slew of supporters. Thank you all so much for helping us do what we do, and uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Scan that QR code, and we will go and see you then. Thank you, everyone. Hold on. Michael's back. Say your Bye, thing. everybody. I'm sorry. We'll fix it for next time. Bye. We'll fix it for next time. I don't know what happened, but thank you all for joining us. Boop, 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 boop.